We are in Miami, baby. The Sunshine State welcomes us back for round five of the 2023 Formula One championship season and the second Miami Grand Prix. I'm Victoria Scanlon and welcome to And We're Racing. Let's take a moment to just learn a little bit about Miami. So here's what I dug up from the internet. Miami is the second most populous city in the state of Florida. The state of Florida was the 27th state to join the union in 1845. Miami is known for its nightlife, beautiful beaches, and fantastic weather. Miami is also big on their sports, or rather Florida in general. Florida has several pro sports teams, including but not limited to the Miami Heat, the Miami Marlins, Miami Dolphins, Miami FC, and the Florida Panthers. Here are a couple fun stats about the Miami Grand Prix. So last year at the 2022 Miami Grand Prix, 3,000 local workers were paid in excess of $100 million in the lead up to and during the race event. Also, tourism hugely benefited as visitor spending in the greater Miami area exceeded $150 million during last year's race weekend. This year at the 2023 Miami Grand Prix, we're looking at 270,000 attendees over the course of the weekend. They were even selling tickets to the Hard Rock Stadium because new this year, the paddock was right in the base of the Hard Rock Stadium on the turf. I mean, it's so American. It's so Miami. Uh, And they were selling tickets to the top tiers of the stadium. So as a spectator, you could go in, poke your nose over the edge, maybe get a look at your favorite driver. Also, tons of high-profile attendees. This doesn't even skim the surface of how many there were. Tiesto, Diplo, Will I Am, Sean Mendez, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Paris Hilton, LL Cool J, Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Roger Federer, Jamie Foxx, David Beckham, the list goes on. I feel like everyone who was at the Met Gala earlier that week just thought, hey, why not tag on the Miami Grand Prix? Let's do it. It was wild. Star-studded event for sure. Track stats. The Miami International Autodrome. It circles around the Hard Rock Arena. Circuit length, 5.4 kilometers Total distance of the race, 308 kilometers, 57 laps, 19 corners, three DRS zones, and virtually nothing in terms of elevation change because, I mean, we're on the ocean. It's Miami. Top speeds at this circuit, we're looking at 350 kph. Fastest lap record, spoilers, it was this year. I know, that's kind of, maybe I should have gone last year, but... This year, Max Verstappen set the fastest lap record, 129.7. Uh, first GP held here in 2022, last year's winner, Max Verstappen, and home Grand Prix for rookie driver Logan Sargent. Track history. Not much to say here other than it's a brand spanking new circuit, and undoubtedly the teams are still gathering and understanding the data, both from the practice sessions and, of course, from driver feedback. Let's get into free practice one. Okay, so this is so exciting. What a surprise. James Hinchcliffe, the Hinch, he's back. 
Ugh, he's just such a great addition to the F1 commentary team. I'm not saying that just because he's a Canadian, but oh my goodness, he's so entertaining. Uh, anyways, he was speaking to the intensity of the track, the turns, the speeds, the G-force. Then adding on top of that, the track temperature and the humidity of Miami and how... It's just such an intense circuit to drive. This made me think, what is the closest scenario in my life that I have ever felt anything remotely similar to what these drivers are experiencing? Uh, Obviously, nothing stands even close, but I imagine in my mind, it's something like wearing a full driver's suit and crash helmet. And then riding a really intense roller coaster for about two hours in the blistering heat. And solving a Rubik's Cube while you do it. Or doing some sort of math problem and needing that laser sharp focus. It's absolutely insane when you really think about it. What these drivers are capable of. It's totally wild. The amount of focus that is required to do their job And the amount of endurance to be able to last that long in such harsh conditions. Just amazing. Uh, FP1, Nico has a big spin out going out of the right hander of three. But I'm going to give it to him. Like, this is his first time driving the Miami circuit. It does bring out the red flag. But whatever. Like I said, he's new here. We'll sort of treat him like a rookie. Kind of. At the end of FP1, Mercedes is sitting on top with George Russell establishing fastest lap. Uh, It's not going to last, but it was fun while it lasted. (laughs) I'll say that much. Looking forward to seeing what happens in FP2. Okay, FP2, Leclerc in the Ferrari goes deep into the Tech Pro at turn 7-8 and brings out the red flag in the replay of this contact with the barrier I'll say you can see this just long stretch of tire marks leading to the spot where the SF23 makes that contact and oh it just looks brutal uh true pace coming out though here in FP2 and FP3 that continues we see the Red Bulls start to make their way to the front of the pack followed closely behind by the Ferraris and new this season of course the Aston Martins All right, let's get to qualifying. So tires for quali and race day, we have C4, C3, and C2. Right off the top of Q1, you can feel that the drivers and the teams are really on the defensive here. There were more than a few close moments between drivers, unsafe release in the pits, uh, a close moment right off the top of qualifying on track between Magnussen and Hamilton. And this is just really setting the tone for where things are going to be going. Uh, No major incidents to report in Q1, but times are tight, like really tight. The margin for error here at the end of Q1 is so minimal. The top 15 are separated by nine tenths of a second. Of course, we have to say goodbye to five drivers. So leaving us in Q1, taking their place at the back of the grid for Sunday's race. From 20th to 16th, we have Sergeant. Sorry, I know it kind of sucks when it's your home Grand Prix and you're at the back, but You've got a lot of good years of racing ahead of you. Okay, I digress. Sergeant, Piastri, Stroll, Sunoda, and Norris. 
Bad news bears from McLaren. Uh, Q2. Here's where we start to see the more typical grid lineup start to form. Mercedes taking a oof, taking their sweet time to get out of the pits here. I felt like it was a bit of a roll of the dice waiting so long to release Russell and Hamilton out onto the circuit. Uh, and in some post-quality comments made from a disappointed Lewis Hamilton, I think he shares the same sentiment. On the flip side, for the first time this season... Are you ready for it, everybody? Yes. Alfa Romeo secures a spot in Q3. Such a win for them. Another win is that for the first time this season, Kevin Magnussen has outqualified his teammate and lands himself in P9 at the end of Q2. Unsurprising, the Ferraris, Red Bull, and Alonso are out there topping the timesheet. Drivers leaving us in Q2, taking P15 to P11 on the grid on Sunday. We have DeVries, Joe, Hamilton, Hulkenberg, and Albon. I know when watching Q2, the commentators were all like, Hamilton's out in Q2! We were all just like, blah! But honestly... I wasn't that surprised. Sometimes I feel like, and this is just me and my observation, sometimes I feel like it's really tough and you get really stuck in a really sticky mindset. And I think for a long time, it seems like Hamilton has been in really undesirable circumstances. The car hasn't been what he wants it to be. It hasn't been feeling the way he wants it to. And that's got to play with your head. It has to. There's no doubt. Q3. Seemingly things are going well, and then about halfway through on one of his flying laps, Verstappen makes a driver error, going wide into turn 6-7. He aborts his lap. Shortly after, Leclerc has a lockup at turn 7 and has a high-speed impact into the Tech Pro just a few meters away from where he went in in FP2. I cannot believe. I cannot believe. It brings out the red flag, and that solidifies the lineup for Sunday's race. These red flags, oh man, especially in qualifying, make for such an interesting starting grid lineup. Now, Miami, of course, is a track where you can overtake. It's not impossible. It's not like Monaco. Um, But I would have never predicted the grid lineup that we got. And that's the beauty of Formula One is that you just never know. You absolutely never know. Top 10 on the grid for Sunday's Grand Prix. We have in order from 10th to pole, Bottas, Verstappen, Ocon, Leclerc, Russell, Gasly, Magnussen, Alonso, Sainz, and Perez, your pole sitter. Podium prediction time. Okay, so after observing qualifying, I always do my prediction after qualifying, I'm predicting a Perez win, Verstappen second, and Alonso third. I did not put either of the Ferraris on my podium because I feel that... Though Science is starting uh, in a good grid position, he's in the front row there with Perez, I feel like Science has a tendency to really drop the ball on race day. I just don't feel in my bones that this is the weekend for him, but hey, maybe I'll be surprised. I put Checo as the race winner because he has so much support from the crowd this weekend, plus coming off a win, plus starting on pole that has to be a boost to his confidence. And I think Sergio does a really good job of converting what could be felt as pressure into fuel to win a race. So come on, Perez, don't let me down. Uh, Verstappen, I mean, come on. If there is a single podium prediction this year and he is not in it, 
Something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. And finally, Alonzo, in his post-quality interview with NASCAR legend Danica Patrick, he said he was feeling great and that Aston Martin had given him the fastest car he's ever driven. He appears to be in a really good headspace this season, and it's definitely showing in his results. Uh, so again, I predict a Perez win, Verstappen second, Alonzo third, but like I said, it could be anyone's weekend. Race time. Very briefly, though, I'm going to touch on the pre-race spectacle okay deep breath it's Miami this is the USA's first Grand Prix of three so far this season uh you know they're gonna go big because it's America okay we begin with a scene It's a very peculiar, wisely chosen word, driver walkout moment, emceed by LL Cool J. The Miami Dolphins cheerleaders are flanking the sides of the stage, and there's an orchestral accompaniment conducted by Will I Am. Wrap your head around that one. Uh, It felt a little kitschy, in my own opinion. It felt to me like a huge departure from what I think the true essence of a Grand Prix weekend is and if in true Canadian fashion I'll politely say it wasn't for me I could feel myself sinking into the sofa wanting to disappear in this moment because it was just too much for me I also feel like there were perhaps a couple of drivers who were trying to keep it cool and not crack up which speaks volumes but to be fair this is Miami's Grand Prix They get to take their own spin on it, and that they did. I wonder if this is what the event organizers think the viewers want, or if this is actually what the American viewership wants. I will say that everybody at the track seemed super into it, super enthused, so that's a win. Race highlights. All right, meat and potatoes, green flag at the back of the grid, lights out, and we are racing. A good clean start from everyone, George Russell almost immediately gaining a position on Charles Leclerc. Gasly, Leclerc, Bottas, Hulkenberg, Piastri, Stroll, Tsunoda, Sargent, all gaining in the opening two laps of the race. Piastri, notably, gaining by five, a really superb race start for him. Uh, McLaren are the only team starting their drivers on the soft tire, while the remainder of the grid have gone for either the medium or the hard, hard favoring the medium 11 to seven. We can see Perez really pushing to get a lead on Fernando Alonso, giving himself a 1.3 second gap in the first three laps alone. That RB19 is quick. Then, disappointing news. Front left wing plate damage for Sargent. He has to come into the pits for a very early stop on lap three. Sad because he was already up two positions to P18. When the DRS opens, we see the true power and determination of Max Verstappen in a double overtake of Leclerc and Magnussen. While he does that, Leclerc and Magnussen having a fun little back-to-back moment where K-Mag, on full merit, overtakes Charles Leclerc. Not too long after, though, of course, the Ferrari driver passes K-Mag in the Haas. Lap 6, still early days. Lando Norris making a stop, changing to the hard tires. A wise decision, I think. 
Further along, here's a fun little moment. Gasly and Russell doing a good job of hanging on to their P4 and P5 respectively, but Verstappen is on the hunt and closing in quickly. And eventually, with the help of DRS, the RB19 whizzes past both drivers, but in the act of doing so, George Russell brilliant driver sees a pocket and seizes the moment taking over Gasly maintaining his p5 meanwhile further down the track his teammate Sir Lewis Hamilton having a rough go at it this weekend is just not his weekend he remains where he started in p13 Back in the front of the pack, Verstappen has his eyes on Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari. He is climbing up. My podium prediction is looking pretty good here, but it's about to get better as Verstappen opens up the DRS and breezes on by Carlos in the SF23 with ease. Now, as I said, my podium prediction is looking good, but it's about to get better. Better. Verstappen puts on the move in sector two, overtakes Fernando Alonso in the Aston Martin and puts himself into P2 behind his teammate Sergio Perez. Now it would be lovely if nothing changed from here on out, but things did change a little bit. Lap 20 and Verstappen is constantly putting in fastest laps. He is out for blood this weekend and wanting to secure more of a lead in the drivers' championships as Perez, his teammate, is only six points behind him. Paris goes into the pits on lap 21, giving Max the lead, comes out behind Akon and P4, but quickly makes the overtake and gains a place into P3. Then race control comes out with a disappointing but inevitable announcement that Carlos Sainz has been found to be speeding in the pit lane. He'll receive a five-second penalty. Sainz, who is currently sitting in P5 and I would assume was fighting for a podium place today, not looking like it's going to happen. Like I said, kind of crumbles under the pressure. I don't know if speeding in the pit lane was just his nerves getting to him or he didn't realize, but rules are rules. You got to follow the speed limit. Action up and down the track as drivers continue to shuffle around. And here is where things stand. Kind of an interesting figure for you. Yuki Tsunoda and Max Verstappen tied near the end of the race in terms of positions gained, both climbing eight positions. In contrast, Kevin Magnussen in the Haas falling by eight, currently sitting in P12 just outside the points. We make it to the checkered flag and here are our results. Taking top step on the podium, winning the Miami Grand Prix, we have Max Verstappen closely followed behind by teammate Sergio Perez, rounding out the podium, Fernando Alonso. George Russell in fourth, Carlos Sainz fifth, Lewis Hamilton sixth, Charles Leclerc seventh, Pierre Gasly eighth, Esteban Ocon ninth, and Kevin Magnussen rounding out the top 10 in 10th place. Back half, we have Tsunoda in 11th, Stroll taking 12th, 13th, Bottas 14th, Albon, Hulkenberg taking 15th, Zhou Guan Yu 16th, Norris 17th, 18th for DeVries, Piastri 19th, and 20th for Logan Sargent. Time to rate this race. Miami, you did a good job. You put on a great show. The weather was fantastic. I know you don't have control of that, but it's a bonus. The circuit's beautiful. It really looks like a fun, interactive, fan-first setup. Great racing. Good clean overtakes. Not a single red flag in this race, which some people will say is a bad thing, but I love that. I love a good, tight, clean race. So Miami 2023... 
I'm going to give you a 7.5 out of 10. Very solid. Good performance. I look forward to seeing you next year. All right, it's time for Super Fan of the Weekend. Yes. So this weekend in Miami, we got some really good shots of the crowd. Kudos to the F1 TV camera operators. I love that they always pull out some amazing people. We saw lots of sombreros. Too many to count. They're festive. They're fun. I'm sure your head is just roasting underneath them. One boy in particular, I'm going to say he was around 11. He looked like he was having the time of his life. And as you should, you are 11 years old and you are at a Formula One Grand Prix with great tickets. This kid was close to the track. Uh, So he's an honorable mention. My super fan of the weekend goes to, drumroll please... Cutout couple. Disclaimer, I'm assuming they're a couple. They could be siblings, but safely, I'm saying they're a couple. These two look so sweet. We've seen them before. Those big cutouts of drivers' faces that people like carry around and wave in the air. And the cutouts they chose, this is what got me. They chose to bring cutouts of Alfa Romeo drivers, Valtteri Bottas, and Guan Yu. I love the support. That was so sweet. So they are our super fan of the weekend. Time for what I learned this weekend. So this weekend, there was a constant threat of rain in Miami. It rained so much leading up to the event that there were questions whether or not it would even run. I watched F1's Tech Talk and Laura Winter, goals, she's awesome. They were speaking about how teams forecast weather for the race. So we got a thorough look and description of these weather beacons that teams use to forecast weather. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail, but here are a couple things I learned. One, they're all made by the same manufacturer in order to keep things fair and square. Two, they're tiny. Imagine the size of an Alexa device like they're that small and they used to be much much bigger imagine one of those big Home Depot buckets that's the way they used to be obviously things have gotten a lot more efficient over time things are more compact and so they're quite petite now they sit atop each of the team pit wall boxes they're also staggered around the circuit in various locations so you can get more specifics say at turn three there's rain but at turn nine there isn't teams can then relay that information to the drivers these beacons measure so many things air temp humidity wind speed wind direction precipitation you name it these things do it there's also a giant i'm gonna call it like a like a home base beacon that's located further out from the track that gives even more information to the teams also this weekend interestingly like in ye olden days a few of the teams placed people out on the beach to keep watch for rain and clouds to then call in to let them know if there was rain on the way. I think that is so funny, and I would like to know how I get that job. 
things to think about going into next weekend. Ooh, McLaren. Just looking. Looking like they're having a rough time. I'm sure they're going to be bringing upgrades later this season. And I really hope we see a turnaround from that team. Thoughts on Red Bull? Is anyone going to beat them? I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we see a Red Bull on top for every single race this year. That would be the first time in history it's ever happened. But I don't doubt that they have the capability. Fun, fun, fun. Miami, you were a joy. Thank you so, so much for tuning in and joining me on this hot, hot Miami adventure. Let me know, how would you rate this race? Because it's always interesting when there is very little drama. Some people are here for it and some people think snooze fest. So let me know, what would you rate this race? Thank you again for sharing in this fantastic thing we love called Formula One. And we will see you in Italy. Bye.